Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I'm JQ. And I'm Finn. And this week's top five is top five Scottish movies. Who's mine? So it was Burns Night on Friday just past and I went to a Cayley, which is like a Scottish country dance, and drank some whiskey, or as it's known in Scotland, nippy sweeties. <laughs> Water. <laughs> the, the actual, the Gaelic for uh, whiskey is Ushkaba. Ushkaba? Uh, literally translates as the water of life. <laughs> uh, so that, that lets you know how Scot- Scottish people feel about whiskey. But I was feeling very patriotic, and so in tribute to that and to my national bard, Ravi Burns, uh, I thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk about top five Scottish movies. Yes, I was very scared when you walked in on Friday in your kilt. <laughs> Luckily, I still don't know what is up a uh, Scotsman's kilt, and I don't want to find out. <laughs> I was trying to lax the rules on this a little yes, bit because. <laughs> If we go with just the top five films that the Scottish film industry has produced, we've got yep. about three to choose yep. from. <laughs> so th- these movies can either be movies that are made in Scotland, made that in were Scotland, filmed yeah. in Scotland, or have Scots as prominent characters or in the main role. Exactly. So for a change, do you want to go first? Then? Can I go first? Okay. You're not going to like any of my selection. <laughs> but... <laughs> right. My top five are Austin Powers 2. Oh dear. <laughs> I told you I'm going to like it. Just because I like uh, Fat Bastard, the character. Yeah. Who is in no way a stereotypical <laughs> representation of the people from my no, country. Not in the t- uh, number four is So I Married an Axe Murderer. Okay, I can there, see a I, theme developing yeah, here. I, I like, have you, did you like that? I did actually, I thought it was quite funny. There, there's a great line in it where uh, Mike Myers, his actual, he plays two or three characters yeah. in the movie. He plays himself and also his dad, yeah. who's Scottish. His dad's Scottish. And it's based off a Saturday Night Live character. But his character in the movie is American. And he's dating this girl and she says, oh, do you, do you like haggis? And he says, no, I don't. And he says, that's a weird thing. I actually think most Scottish cuisine is based on a deer. <laughs> uh, which I always thought was a really cool line. Yeah, Amanda Plummer's in that as the as a standard psycho. Have you seen it? You Amanda know? Plummer, she, does she play uh, Honey Bun from Pulp Fiction? Yes. 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 Yeah. So standard crazy woman. Number three is Train Spotting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring myself back up in the uh, estimations here. I think that's probably the first film I saw with proper Scottish people in it. What do you mean by proper Scottish people? Like normal Scottish people. <laughs> they are not normal. <laughs> well, up until then, it was what, Braveheart? Okay, yeah. I think that's, well, I was 16 when that came out, when I was at college, and we everyone was doing the poster, you know, the four, five. That's right, yeah, the Choose Life poster. Yeah, and all that I had that on my wall, but yeah. it's been my friends recreating it. Uh, number two is Shallow Grave. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was slightly better than Trainspotting because it's lower budget and it's a bit more interesting. And my top one. <laughs> this is going to be good, I can feel it. Is it Mrs. Doubtfire by any chance? <laughs> Just so you get a chance to bust out your Scottish accent <laughs> no, that you no, tried no, last no. week, no? Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, of course. Well, following on from that, I actually I didn't include that because I wanted to. Right. So my top five. I, uh, just to point out, this list doesn't contain Braveheart. It also doesn't contain, uh, to my shame, two films that I've not seen, but I know that most people would say are up there with the best Scottish-made films, which are two Bill Forsyth films, Gregory's Girl and Local Hero. Yes, when I typed into Google top five Scottish films, the same five kept coming up, and Gregory's Girl was one of them, but yeah. I've not seen it. Yeah, I've never I've no. never seen it either, to my shame. Uh, so I'll, I'll see if I can check that out. But following on from what you said about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, my number five is Goldfinger. Goldfinger? Because mm. uh, it needed to have some sort of Sean Connery in there. Well, don't I don't thought, forget, James Bond is Scottish. I No, I think yes, he, he is. in the book he's English. No, he's not Scottish. 
I'm pretty sure he's English, <laughs> but I, in the book it's referenced that he has a Scottish father and a Swiss yeah. mother. Ah, uh, okay, there we go. So I think that's where it is. <clears throat> but you haven't seen Skyfall yet? I haven't seen Skyfall yet, no. no. Ah, okay, okay, so there's obviously something there. Uh-huh. It doesn't surprise me, because Scottish people are the coolest people on the planet, and who's cooler than James Bond? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't go for uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, because I felt that was just a little bit too tenuous, even though it's got my favourite Connery line. So I, I went with my favourite Bond film. Okay, well, what was your favourite line? Is, is this because you want me to do the accent? <laughs> <laughs> he has a line, it's a line where he, they're being chased along the beach yeah. uh, and there's a plane coming down in them. Yeah. And uh, they're kind of cornered, they're, they're in this open beach and there's a German plane coming down to yeah. kind of, it's got a Gatling gun in the front yeah. and it's going to yeah. shoot them. And he just uh, takes out his umbrella and runs along the beach. Yeah. Uh, flapping his umbrella open and closed in front of all the seagulls and going <laughs> like that and uh, you know Indiana Jones is amazed because all the seagulls fly up and they help crash yeah. the plane yeah. you know he's kind of calmly strolls along the beach walking back going I suddenly remembered my Charlemagne <laughs> let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky <laughs> you sound like Rob Brydon dude impression. <laughs> my favourite line from that film is no ticket and then everybody shows the tickets <laughs> on the plane. Yeah. Apparently, when they were casting that film, they said, "Well, who's cooler than Indiana Jones?" Well, yeah. Pretty much just James Bond. So yeah. it has to be James Bond that plays Indiana uh, Jones' dad. So that's why they tried to cast. I think he's Connery. only ten years older than him. I, I think it's even less than it's that. Like, it's not yeah. a lot of difference. Yeah. No, there wasn't a lot. But that that's a great film. But anyway, Goldfinger's Junior. Junior. We named a dog in there. <laughs> that's just endlessly quotable. But yeah, so getting back to my top five, uh, Goldfinger number five, best Bond film, I think. It's the closest to the book. If you read the book. Yeah. I, I, it's the best of the kind of old style Bond films. Yes. Because yeah. when I was growing up, the first one I ever saw in the cinema was Goldeneye. So for me, that's really? my favourite Bond film. Yeah. I think I saw... What was the one before Goldeneye? It would have been one of the Dalton ones. I think I might have seen one of them in the cinema. I remember seeing Indiana Jones in the cinema. That was 1989. Yeah. So I was just... I was still in nappies when that uh. came out. <laughs> so number four, Sweet Sixteen. It's a Ken Loach movie, kind of independent film, uh, but it's set in Greenock, which right. is, uh, I lived in Greenock for a That's number where, of years. Um, Victor Mildew's from, Richard Wilson. It is actually, it is indeed, yes. And because I saw him in an advert where he said, I grew up on a council estate in, in Greenock. Greenock. And uh, that's how everybody talks in Greenock as well. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, it's, so it's this film which stars a Scottish actor called Martin Compson who at the time was a trainee for the local football team right. in Greenock, Greenock Morton, but has since gone down the Vinnie Jones route of uh, career ah, path and changed right. from being a, a footballer to uh, an actor. Please but tell me he's better than Vinnie Jones. Uh, he's way better than right, Vinnie Jones. Good. He's been in quite a few, actually, decent little independent films. Yeah. Um, forget the name of it, but he was in a film with Eddie Marsden and Gemma Arterton, which came out a few years ago, which was really good, like a kind of low-budget film, but he, he was great in that. But he plays like this kind of um, 16-year-old high school dropout, gets involved in drugs and stuff like that. I can't really say too much more than that because yep. it gives away the film. <clears throat> a little bit depressing as Ken Loach films are, but I, 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 I thought it was an amazing film. Number three, uh, The Wicker Man. I've not seen that. It's a great horror film, really yeah. good. What about uh, the uh, remake? With, I, uh, I, I was going to come to that at the end, but yeah, I could just get that out of the way. I actually quite like it, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> okay. The, the original Wicker Man's from the 1970s. Great, yeah. Uh, yeah. classic British horror film. Stellar cast, Edward Woodward, Brett Eklund, Sir Christopher Lee's in it as well. Set off the northwest coast of Scotland, but a police detective that kind of investigates the disappearance slash murder of a local girl and gets caught up in the island's creepy pagan inhabitants and their rituals and all this kind of thing. Yep. 
but they did a remake uh, a number of years ago with Nick Cage. It's it's not set in Scotland, which I think was probably their first mistake, but it is absolutely <laughs> dreadful. Right. But completely hysterical. And it's one of those films, if you come in from the pub and you want something just to laugh your face off at. The original? No, no, no. The, the, the remake. remake. Uh, yeah. Definitely check out the Nick Cage film because it is hysterical. Okay. Anyone that's seen it will uh, know of the kind of internet <laughs> meme surrounding one of the scenes at the end with bees. Right. So I, I won't Sign say any more than that, but it is very funny. Number two for me, the silver medal, Dog Soldiers. Yes. Dog Soldiers is great. Uh, it, it's a horror movie set in the Scottish Highlands, directed by Neil Marshall. Was it Werewolves? It is Werewolves, yeah. Um, and I, I love the way that they did the Werewolves, because I, get, I, I spoke about this last week, but I'm a kind of sucker for movies that use yeah. animatronics and puppets rather than CGI. Yeah. So all the Werewolves are actors in these giant werewolf costumes, yeah. which are great. It just makes it so much more scary. Yeah, it's directed by Neil Marshall, who's a guy from Newcastle who also did another brilliant horror movie called The Descent, which he brought out after. Which one The Descent's that? the one where it's a group of uh, women who go, yeah, kind of potholing down yeah, into the ground and they that. get trapped. Yeah. And there are these creatures down there yeah, and yeah. Yeah, they kind of fight for survival. So that's a great film. But he also did a film called Doomsday, which is absolutely appalling, right, which is like that. set in a post-apocalyptic Scotland. Scotland's a walled off from the rest of the UK. I mean, modern day Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, but Dog Soldiers is great. Again, like a really cool cast. Kevin McKidd, who's in Train Spotting. Yeah. Sean Pertwee, who most people yep. probably know as the uh, every single advert on the telly at the yeah, moment. Yeah, and he, I think he's the voiceover guy for um, uh, Master Chef. Does he? Yeah. I don't watch Master Chef. He's also the son of John Pertwee, who was yeah. one of Wales Garbage, who and also Doctor Who, and also a Liam Cunningham, who's a great Irish actor, who I always get confused with Jason Isaacs. Right. Yeah. Oh. Because uh, I think they look quite similar and. There's the only one thing kind of gripe I've got about the movie is that there's a line in there where the research assistant girl says something about oh it's four hours drive to the nearest town in Scotland <laughs> you're never more than four hours away from any no. you're never more than four hours away from the other side of the country no so that's impossible I thought that was quite funny but anyway uh, number one for me kind of obvious but it can't go anything other than train spotting yeah it's such a phenomenal movie it's so iconic. And kind of uh, very much of a time in, in the British kind of pop culture. Yep. Everyone's in it has gone on to do quite well. Yeah. All the main cast. Yeah. I think apart from um, the guy that plays, who's the really tall, simple one, Spud. He's, he's, done, he's done a few. He's, he's done a few. Down. He's been in. He's been in a few things. films, but not, not really successful as the rest of the cast. Because yeah, yeah. like Johnny Lee Miller and Kevin McKidd and yeah, obviously Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And even uh, Kelly McDonald's really yeah. come to the fore the last Portal couple of years. Empire. Yeah. Yep. We won't but, mention Brave. <laughs> yeah it's, I haven't seen Brave but you said it wasn't yeah, very yeah, good yeah, so. probably brave. Um, amazing cast great script great yep. source material great director as well yeah uh, and also a brilliant soundtrack as well I was so, reading up on it apparently um, Robert Carlyle played Bigby as homosexual no way that's why he was always so angry and apparently the guy who wrote the book said the same thing ambiguous about his sexuality oh. that's why he's so angry he wants to beat people up there's a new spin on it, isn't it? Certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that that um, I suppose concludes uh, top five Scottish movies. Top five Scottish movies. Brilliant. On the weekend, finally got to the cinema. The Last Stand. What's The Last Stand? The new Arnie film. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How could I forget? Uh, <laughs> Obviously, the biggest film that's been released in the UK in the last couple of weeks. Well, now we didn't want to go and see uh, Django Unchanged because you thought it'd be rubbish, like. Um, so you decided on the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie It instead. was a good film. Was it? Okay. It's just Arnie, guns, shooting, explosions. 
What more could you want? What more could you want indeed? Exactly. I also saw that uh, Sly Stallone's got a new movie coming out, which yeah. looks incredibly similar as well. What was it called? Um, Bullet to the Head? Bullet to the Head, yeah. So what's the basic premise of this uh, Arnie film, just in case I've not uh, really got the gist from the trailer? It's an amazing premise. Um, they are moving a convict, a Mexican drugs cartel boss, to death row, and he gets he, he escapes on the way out into this amazing car that he's going to drive to Mexico. And he's got to drive through this little town to get to the border. And Arnie's in charge of the little town. So the last stand is them all putting the block in the road up and then trying to stop him from going through. Oh, okay. I don't want to give too much away, but they could have ended the film in the first 10 minutes by just putting a stinger across the road <laughs> and bursting the tires of the car. And everything else that went on. But apart from that, you got to suspend quite a lot of belief to uh, watch it. But it's enjoyable. And, and how is Arnie looking these days? How's he holding up in terms of... Uh how he was as an action hero in the kind of like 80s and 90s. He's good, but he references the fact that he's old in the film. Okay. So it, it doesn't look out of place. It's all built around him being older, but he still manages to whoop some butt at the end, which is cool. good. Very enjoyable. Cool. Well, I, I tried to make good on my promise last week yep. of seeing it see as much as I could at the cinema this week. So I saw three films at the cinema this week. How to be single. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the first one, obviously, I have to talk about is uh, Django Unchained. Is it as good as everyone says? I absolutely loved yeah. it. I thought it was great. But I don't know if it's because I'm biased, because Tarantino's one of my favourite directors. And yeah. The thing is with that, I still feel, although I don't really concede that there is such a thing as a bad Tarantino movie, because I've actually enjoyed them all. Kill Bill 2. I like Kill Bill yeah. 2, yeah. I, I, honestly, there are things in every movie that I've enjoyed and I've loved. Right. But the thing is, to me, even if it's a so-called bad Tarantino, it's still better than about 90% of the dross that's in cinemas every year. But as you'd expect, awesome performances from the cast, especially those in the main roles, but also those in the kind of traditional cameos and bit part yeah. roles and stuff yeah. like that. How was he in it as... We can come to that oh, in a minute. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the two standout performances for me... I, first of all, Jimmy Fox is actually quite good, yeah. but it doesn't feel like he's the central part of the movie, which is a bit of a shame. Okay, it, It's more to do with... Well, for me, the, the best two performances in the film are Christoph Waltz yeah. and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. I, I thought they were both mesmerising, especially DiCaprio. I've never seen him in a role like that yeah. before. To me, it's best kind of summed up in this scene. I'll try to do this without giving anything away for people that haven't seen it yet. But summed up in this scene where he gets quite angry and animated at one point. DiCaprio. Yeah. Yep. During a conversation. And he slams his hand down on the table to make a point And uh, he cuts his hand because he does it so forcefully. And yeah. it starts bleeding. But what I found out afterwards, reading the trivia for the movie in IDB, yep. is that that wasn't in the script. Right. So he actually cut his hand for real Ooh. during that take. But DiCaprio, instead of like stopping, carries on with the scene and actually works out having cut his hand into yeah. the scene, which I find just fantastic. And that's the cut, obviously, that's made it to, yeah. to the final yeah. film. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just fantastic. But also Christoph Waltz, who, for those of you that aren't really familiar with his name, he was in Tarantino's last film, Inglorious Bastards, and played uh, Captain Hans Landa, yeah. who, who was the Jew hunter, the kind of yeah. bad Nazi character in it. Uh, yeah, and he completely stole the, the limelight in that movie. And yeah. he kind of does to the same extent here. His character is just so charismatic right. that he really carries the film for, for a long time. But yeah, getting on to Quentin's cameo, yeah. thankfully it's kept to a minimum in this movie because I think okay. he's realised that he's not much of an actor. But even... In the time that he is on screen, he does one of the most appalling Australian accents oh. I've ever heard in my life. And it generally sounds like he 
doesn't know the difference between Australian and Austrian. Right. The same way that um, <laughs> Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber doesn't know the difference yeah. either. So another shrimp and a bobby. But he just he has um, no real idea of how to do the accent properly. So in some takes he sounds Australian. Yeah. Obviously, he sounds South African, he sounds Welsh, mm. and this is all within the space of about five lines. Okay. But thankfully, it's kept to a minimum, and the way that his character exits the movie kind of makes it worth it that he's in okay. there in, in the first place. It's three hours and five minutes. What? So it's pretty... Oh, I didn't realise it was that long. It's quite long, and Jeez. perhaps a little bit self-indulgent and a little overlong, but still, I, I was entertained the whole way through. There wasn't any point where I was bored. Right. They probably could have wrapped yeah, it up quicker than they could have done. Okay. Um, and to me, it was very similar in tone to Inglorious Bastards, his previous film. Yeah. And comparing the two, I'd probably still say Inglorious Bastards was slightly better. Yeah. But this was still a fantastic movie. And if if you enjoy Tarantino films at all, it's, it's definitely worth a watch. So that's Slavery Fun Edition. Yeah. <laughs> I also went to see Slavery Serious Edition uh, last week. Which, uh, no, <laughs> this ain't Armistad. <laughs> I went to see Lincoln. Okay, yeah. Which, um, it was decent. Oscar worthy? For me, it's not up there with the higher points of Spielberg's back catalogue, especially in terms of, you know, kind of sprawling epics or historical... Schindler's List. Schindler's List or even Private Ryan or any of those yeah. ones. For me, it was kind of like the level of Munich in terms of... I haven't seen that. Munich's okay. It's right. well-made film, but it's one of those ones you kind of see once and then you don't really need yeah, to see again. It doesn't seem that, that interesting a subject material, really. Oh, Munich's so, okay. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's just... It's an okay film. It's yep. obviously something that's quite close to his heart because yep. he's uh, very proud of his Jewish roots and all that kind of thing. I just... There wasn't anything spectacular. And that, that's kind of the same way that I felt about Lincoln as well. To be honest, there were big parts of the movie that I didn't really follow what was going on yeah. because it assumes that you have a fairly decent knowledge. What I'd say to British people is decent knowledge, probably to Americans is basic knowledge yeah. of their history and the Civil War. I, I was never taught it in school, so I don't really no. know that much about it. And anything I do know is kind of just, you know, bit film parts film, and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, there's quite a lot of knowledge about history, but also about the way that the American government operates, you know, with the House of Representatives and the yes, Senate and all these different things. About that, yeah. So that actually, if, you, if you're not really au fait with that kind of stuff, it makes following the, the story quite difficult. Right. And another reason for that as well is because, and I'm not trying to exaggerate here, there's a new character introduced probably every two minutes on screen. <laughs> so there are the main characters. So there's probably about seven or eight, like key players. Yeah. But there's probably a cast of about 40 other characters. That's a lot. So, I, I, and Spielberg, I think, does his best to try and help. So, like, if a character's in it and they're not really introduced properly, he'll bring up the subtitle of the character as they walk in screen oh, so right. that you know who they are. But it's just kind of off-putting and it feels more like a history lesson rather yeah. than, yeah. you know, this his, sprawling history biopic. Apparently, it was... Lincoln's been about 12 or 13 years in the making. I didn't know it had been going on that long. And originally, uh, Liam Neeson was the first choice to play Lincoln. Yeah. But by the time production finally started getting along, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Liam Neeson felt that he was too old to do the role. Do you know Liam Neeson is 60? Really? He's How good does he look for 60? And he's hench. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But I, I'm quite glad that Day-Lewis was cast because he is fantastic in the role. I, he, I just think he's an amazing actor. Yeah. 
you know, films like Gangs of New York and There Will Be Blood. He just yeah. is brilliant at these character actors. Is he different to any of those other roles? He is different. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely different. Uh, he's, you know, he's got quite a high voice and his demeanour is incredibly endearing. You actually... Believe it's him. Yeah, you really do. I, I think there are moments when you forget it, when he's on screen that, you, that it's not Abraham Lincoln in the flesh kind of thing. I think he really does the role justice. So you've got amazing actors like that who can be different in everything they do. And then you've got someone like Jennifer Aniston, who's the same in every single film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, the peaks and the troughs of acting ability. But then if they ever make a Jennifer Aniston biopic, there's nobody better placed to play her. So. <laughs> Hopefully they won't. <laughs> One of the things that kind of annoy me, though, Lincoln constantly tells stories and analogies and right. things throughout the movie. That's how his character relates to everyone around which does get a little bit tedious after the first hour or so. Right. But actually that's referenced within the movie because one of the characters says, he's going to do another story. I can't take another one of your goddamn <laughs> stories and then kind of storms out the room. Is he Australian? Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the cast are good. Sally Field, who plays Lincoln's wife, is really yeah. good in the part. But a- apart from her and Day-Lewis, my my two favourite characters or two favourite roles in the film were Tommy Lee Jones, who is sensational as uh, Thaddeus Stevens who's one of the Republican senators yeah um, does he go crazy at any point or uh, shouts yeah kind of he's got a few shouty scenes right. but he's a cool character like right. you really root for him and uh, yeah he's great and also a kind of unrecognisable James Spader you know the kind of geeky scientist from Stargate Daniel oh right okay so that's him and right. he's quite thin like yep. back then 1994 he plays a lobbyist called William N. Bilbo He's trying to help Lincoln secure folks to pass the amendment to abolish slavery. I haven't told you the whole truth. <laughs> but he he actually looks like he's been hanging out with Harold Ramis in Greg's for the last couple of okay. years because he's looking a little bit tubby. Val Kilmer but, chubby. Yeah. yeah. But he, uh, his character's pretty cool as well, he, so he's worth looking out for. Some other quick points on Lincoln. Uh, there's some phenomenal facial hair going on <laughs> throughout the movie. It's definitely, I'd say, probably worth watching in the cinema just to yeah. get a feel of the scale of it. Right. But it's definitely one of those films I'd probably watch once and not watch yeah, again. Yeah, you know what's happening. Yeah. So that's Lincoln. And the other film that I saw at the cinema this week, uh, which I, I didn't think I'd enjoy, but I really did enjoy it, was Silver Linings Playbook. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. No. It's nominated for Oscar for Best Film. Bradley Cooper plays this guy who's... Uh, mother has just signed him off to to get out of the mental institution that he's been in for the last couple of months. Oh, okay, which was part of a court order because he tried to kill his estranged wife and her lover. Right, and it's kind of to do with how he deals with trying to get back to life. The thing is, uh, his character is bipolar. Right, so he struggles with like uh, mood swings, and he's been depressed, and he's quite a difficult person to be around. Yeah. And Bradley Cooper is absolutely fantastic. And he meets this younger girl who's widowed. Jakey's just mouth. She's hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is. She's very pretty. Jennifer Lawrence, who's absolutely fantastic in the role as well. And they're, yep. for me, both well worthy of the Oscar nominations. She lost her husband very young and she's still very young herself. She struggled with uh, bipolar disorder and depression right. and all these things as well. So they kind of have a mutual respect and mutual sympathy for each other yeah and they start the to trailer kind of, did not give across any of this i think that's because they're trying to play it off like a rom-com yeah and it's really not like that at yeah. all the support cast are great as well robert de niro and uh, jackie wilson who's an australian uh actress play bradley cooper's parents and they are absolutely amazing in the film and the, the other support cast are great as well I, I thought it handled the subject matter you know which is 
quite touchy mental health yeah. and depression and bipolar disorder i thought it handled that in a really fresh and quite an honest way and also i really liked the way it was edited which kind of mirrors the fast in your face but also unpredictable nature of the characters yeah and their conditions because it's kind of a lot of the the shots are done on close-ups there aren't really many establishing shots really so it's just very in your face very much focused on the people and their expressions and all these kind of things which I, th- I thought was a really great way the endings maybe a little bit cheesy they get married no <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to give anything away but I, I felt it was just a little bit cheesy I, maybe it's just because I, I've seen too many movies like that so I guess the ending coming a mile off right. but it's very enjoyable nonetheless lovely uh, and a couple of other films I watched this week just at home um, Moonrise Kingdom the most recent Wes Anderson ah, I've film I've just uh, acquired that any good? Um, I enjoyed it enough it kind of just feels a bit like Wes Anderson by numbers so you know, it's like Life Aquatic and the other one. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed those films much more than this one. Uh, you've got the kind of basic Wes Anderson things that are in every film, the hipster colour schemes, the kind of quirky actors, uh, the awkward dialogue, locked-off camera shots. It was okay. It just Is felt, it funny in parts? Or? It, in the same way that most of his other films are funny. Right. This probably doesn't sound very um, <laughs> refined, but I, I just always feel like I enjoy Wes Anderson films a lot more when I've had a bottle of wine to drink before I watch them, so... <laughs> But one other film that I watched this week, which really impressed me, is an older independent Ryan Gosling movie called Lars and the Real Girl, yep. which I absolutely adored. Uh, so Ryan Gosling uh, plays this guy called Lars, who's socially incredibly awkward and kind of struggles to engage with other people. He lives in his brother and his brother's wife's kind of back garden shed. Yep. And they don't really know how to help him or engage with him. So one day he orders this sex doll from the internet. <laughs> right. But pretends that she's a real person and like talks to her in a real way (laughs) and it kind of really freaks everybody out to start with but they feel like he's doing it because he's trying to connect with a world that he doesn't know how to connect with right Uh, i don't want to say too much more because it'll start giving away the story but i i I thought it was a truly remarkable film Uh, it's, it's all to do you know with i suppose a bit the theme of unconditional love how your friends and family support you through difficult times and people do anything to try and support you and it builds to a really nice ending where I, I was genuinely quite moved by the end of it. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I thought that was good. So, so that was just the wine kicking in. I know. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 had, I wasn't drinking that night at all. So, But that that's a really epic uh, rendition of all the movies that I watched last week. <laughs> well, on um, Friday night, me and Naomi were looking through Netflix, trying to find something to watch. Mm. Pretty uninspiring um, collection. And then there's two to pick i can't remember what the other one was but i thought oh i haven't seen this one before i like the director i've liked all his recent stuff let's give this a try revolver yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought a couple of friends have seen it and said oh, it's not very good now by not very good i just thought not very good as in it's just not very interesting but me and naomi were both just left bemused and confused <laughs> throughout the entire film i had no idea what was going on. Normally, you watch something, you get a bit confused, and then someone will say something. You go, "Oh, okay, so that's oh, that, that's why he's doing that." And then, like, and Naomi would ask me, "Oh, he's doing that because of this." I just every time, every scene, I was like, "What's going on? What is going on?" And then <laughs> near the end, where Ray Liotta is just sort of crying when the guy's coming out of the lift. Like, what? What are you? And then he, at the end, he said, remember the ending. Mm-hmm. What was all that about? Nothing was explained. I don't know. I, I think that was at the height of Guy Ritchie's love affair with Madonna. I yeah. really don't think she was good for him because 
it, there's like bits to do with Kabbalah and stuff like that. It's like he was starting to go off the rails. So it's basically yeah. like lock, stock or snatch, but on an acid trip. And yeah. it just makes so little sense. And you know, the other week when I was talking about, um, I really like directors when they try and do different movies. So Stanley Kubrick's yes. a great yes. example of that. Curtis Hansen's another director who, they might not make the best films. Curtis Hansen certainly doesn't. But he tries his hand at different genres. But Guy Ritchie has essentially done the same movie five times. Yes. In slightly varying degrees of success. And I just, like, what's the point of trying to make the same movie five times? I just couldn't understand it. And then I realised at the end that one of the guys was the singer from that band Outcast. Oh, Andre 3000. Yeah, they're playing golf on the roof. I think he's wearing a golf. He looks really like that guy for that music video. Hey, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the actors were good and they they were performing it well, but it just didn't make any sense. Yeah. So I just... Naomi summed it up perfectly by going, well, that's two hours on my life. I'm never going to get back. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt at the end of it as well. It's very poor. And the other film, I didn't manage to watch all of it, but it was just on the telly um, when we got back from The Last Stand was um, Meet the Parents. Uh, I'm not much of a fan of that. It was me and Naomi were laughing away at that. I've never been much of a Ben Stiller fan. No? Nah. This This was young Ben Stiller. This is 2000, I think. So he looked really, he looked like Zoolander. Ben Stiller. Zoolander, I never got. I never really enjoyed Zoolander. Most films with Ben Stiller in a lead role, I've never really enjoyed. I think I like Dodgeball that he was the bad guy in. And there's an episode of Extras that he's in as well uh, from the first season. Savastarsky or Natch? I can never remember. Get him (laughs) off the set. Is that supposed to be funny? I don't know. You tell me. But uh, yeah, I'm just not a big Ben Stiller fan. So I've never... I never really liked Meet the Parents. And last night, just as Naomi was going off to bed, I was um, flicking around film four. Aliens. Oh, quality. I didn't... It was just a scene where they landed on the planet and they were going through with their, you know, their clicking things coming along. And I only watched about 10 minutes of it. I really wish I'd stayed up and watched the rest because that's good. It's one of those films that you wouldn't put on on DVD probably to watch because you've seen it so many times. Yeah. But when it's on TV, you'll always watch it. Yeah. So if it was like Die Hard or The Matrix or something yeah. like that. You know, the films that are usually on ITV 2 or 3 when you come home from the pub late yeah. at night on a Friday and that's... Uh, I love those kind of movies. I remember watching a documentary about it and um, they showed you the behind the scenes and I was I remember seeing the model of the troop carrier car and they showed it was a model and I thought, it blew my mind. I was like, that looks so real. I couldn't believe it wasn't a real car. And then when I watched it last night when the ship's coming into land, you can clearly... It looks like Thunderbirds, doesn't it? it? That's exactly <laughs> what it looks like. There's a scene, they, they're flying around the top and it's with a cam- like a video camera looking down. It's clearly a model clearly all they had to do was put a slow-mo on the footage so it just looked a little bit less realistic because it just it the way the camera moves you could see someone is picking it up and moving it around this set it it looks good for the time it was made and i can because it was james cameron wasn't it yeah 86 i think it was yeah 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 james cameron and you can see avatar and aliens kind of from the, the same sort of thing so it, do, it does, they've done the best job that they could at the time. But it, so it does, the, some of it looks a bit ropey, but I just got to the bit where they found the girl hiding in Mute. the cupboard. Yeah, and, and then I had to go to sleep. So Shame. Shame. Should we move on to movie news? Let's do it. I think we should start with the big movie news of the week that everybody's excited about. Simon Cowell is planning Pudsy <laughs> the movie. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I know that you've been waiting on this news to come out for months and months, but it's finally being confirmed. I've, I've been sitting on it. I didn't want to know. Apparently, he's 
I've, I've never even heard of Pudsey before. <laughs> Apparently he's the dancing dog that oh, was on Britain's yes, Got Talent. Yes. Part of what makes me think he might have gone for this move is uh, the... He uh, money? No, I think it's the success of the recent uh, Susan Boyle biopic, Les Miserables, that's done quite well in the cinemas <laughs> recently. Uh, so I think he's trying to capitalise oh, cool. on that. I personally can't wait for Rick Waller, the movie, to come out. There'll be a... Uh, talking about dog movies, the kids were watching a film called Sea Spot Run. You've never heard of it. It's um, about this FBI dog that the mob want to kill for some oh, reason. Of but the, uh, <laughs> the guy that owns the dog in the FBI is... Um, he's a big guy from Green Mile. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah, it's his dog. He was really okay. good in it. Do you know who's um, dead now? Yeah, that Hustack. Shocking. So um, sad. And then this, the guy, the dog, obviously, for a hilarious mix-up of events, the dog gets um, caught with a... joins another family. And of course um, the guy in it, when he appeared on screen, me and Naomi were both laughing, going, oh, oh, oh it's Owen Wilson. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was David Arquette. As <laughs> 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 a postman. It was actually quite a good film hmm. for a kid's film. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I like how you have to... Yeah. Have to, quite, have to justify that, it. Just yeah. to justify it. Yeah, definitely. Now, of course, the real big story this week, J.J. Abrams set to direct the new Star Wars movie. Yeah. Jar Jar Abrams. Um, someone doing Star Trek and Star Wars. What are your feelings on him taking over the franchise? Well, as long as he doesn't put any lens flares in it. <laughs> he definitely one. will. That's Come on, he will. Anything, as long as there's no lens flares. Um, he can do... The Star Wars has got a very specific look, and if you look at, if you watch, um, is it Super Eight? Yeah, that's got. It looks like it was made in the eighties. Mm, mm. So he's he can do it. He's always got good writers around him. So I th- I think it's in safe hands, really. I think so as well. I mean, I totally agree with you at that point. That I I think when you look at Super Eight, or especially with Star Trek, he <clears throat> can obviously do faithful adaptations whilst bringing something new to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's face it, they can't be any worse than the uh, the sequels trilogy yeah, that, that Lucas I, made. I finished off watching um, episode one. Mm. And yeah, just even some of the graphics looked really bad. Like the shadows underneath stuff that was floating along just looked really poor. Yeah. It is from, was it 1998 or something? Came 99, out? yeah. 99. But anyway. Some, some of it looks amazing. Like when the people are walking along the corridors and they've got these robots walking alongside, the robots look like they're there. Mm. They're obviously not because they're they couldn't work but the other stuff looked a bit ropey mm. no I, I think it's in good hands I, I was reading as well the guy that's apparently meant to be writing the script or first draft of it anyways Michael Arndt yeah. who did the script for Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story 3 among others so yeah. he, he's decent and also I was reading about him apparently he lectures about the original 1977 film as a model for great storytelling. Ah. So he's obviously very familiar with the okay. source material yeah. so again that makes me think it'll be quite good um, have you read any Star Wars books? I've not. I can't say that I'm that much of a, a geek. <laughs> I've read. I've read a few books that have been written after the films, mm-hmm. so where Leia and Han Solo get married and they have kids, and mm-hmm. they're actually quite good. So I can't. Do you remember. think that's the kind of line that they'll go down? Well, they'd have to really, because the, the, the other option I thought might be open, and I, I'd be interested to see if they do this. They might do this eventually. Yeah. But having you know played a few of the video games that have come out. Yeah. along the Knights of the Old Republic storyline, which is like way, way, way before the Darth yeah. Vader storyline and everything like that. I think some of those have got the potential to be really good, but I think they'll probably... Yeah, it's going to be afterwards. It'll be set afterwards, and it'll be something to do with the family leg- legacy, yeah. the Skywalker family legacy. I remember in one of the books, there is a prototype Death Star hidden inside a nebula. Ah. Yeah, so they might bring that out. And who do you reckon they might... Um, ca- do you think it'll be any of the original cast members coming back to it? Like an ancient, 
But it depends if they Harrison set it Ford, straight yeah. after the first film, sixth film, or you know, like Indiana Jones and the Last and the Crystal Skull, where it's mm. him at that age. Yeah. So who knows? I think it'll be another couple of years away anyway, because there was a potential 2015 release date, but yeah. uh, JJ Abrams isn't committing to that, so it might even be after that that we have Jeez. to wait for the next film to come. It's a long out, time. So. Yeah, indeed. There was one other. Um, movie that uh, kind of got me excited this week was finally uh, seeing the trailer and seeing a few of the new posters that have been released for Oz, The Great and Powerful. Oh, I watched the trailer for that. It didn't really inspire me. I haven't seen the original film, so... I just really like... Uh, so You've not seen the original film. Nope. You've not seen The nope. Wizard of Oz. Nope. That's disgusting. <laughs> that is an absolute classic. You've never seen The Terror Beneath Not Less, so uh, I think we're equal. Absolutely true. <laughs> Touche, salesman. That's your homework for next week. You have to watch The Wizard of Oz. It's amazing. No, I just, I'm a massive fan of Sam Raimi, so, and he's he's making this one, so. Right. And, and also the cast looks quite good as well. It's uh, James Franco is playing the wizard, it, yeah. so the story's kind of set around. Is it a, just completely made up or is it from some sort of source material? I, I've got absolutely no idea. Right. I don't know, because it was, the, the books are from, is it Frank L. Baum wrote the original I books? I don't know. Um, so, but I don't know if they're taking anything from his books. But it's kind of set around the guy who eventually becomes the Wizard of Oz yeah. and how he ends up there and the kind of backstory there. But the cast looks quite good. So the Wizard's played by James Franco. Yeah. And he meets a couple of the witches when he gets there who are played by Michelle Williams, M- Mila Kunis and... Eva Green? No. <laughs> um, and uh, Rachel Weisz. Right. So a quite good cast. From the trailer, it looks a little bit like Tim Burton's Alice, Alice in Wonderland. Wonder- yeah. Because I suppose they're both made by Disney, but I much prefer Sam Raimi films to Burton films. That's because you're a fool. Apart from Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man which was <laughs> appalling. Um, some other trailers I've seen this week. Olympus Has Fallen. What's that? That's where um, the President and the White House get attacked by terrorists, and Gerard Butler's the only one left alive inside. They have to go and try and save everyone. Of course he is. Um, yeah. That looks interesting. Smurfs 2. Oh, thank goodness that well, I have children, out. so I have to go and see these things <laughs> in the cinema, but the trailer looked pretty. Was there anything in Smurfs 1 that made you feel like it warranted a sequel? Um, it, was a, it was a good film, but it wasn't amazing. Mm. Mm. And the other trailer I saw, well, I didn't, it was not a trailer, it was just a little clip, is the new Steve Jobs film. Oh, I've heard a little bit about that. With Ashton Kutcher as Jobs. I haven't heard that much about it then, obviously. You need to see the picture of him. It looks exactly the same. Is this going to be the role that turns Ashton Kutcher's career from being a kind of go-to guy for rom-coms and stuff to being a, considered a serious actor, do It you could think? be. What I've seen of it, there's just one scene where him and another guy are walking out to a car, but he seems all right in it. And does he do the Steve Jobs impression? Because he's got a very particular way of talking. And- yep. Okay. Yep. And does that measure up? I don't really... Well, I don't like Steve Jobs, but it looks like he could... As long as he takes it seriously, it doesn't go, Wah! at any point, then yeah, it should be fine. What does mine say? <laughs> Sweet. What does mine say, dude? We got married. <laughs> well, that's it for this week's episode of the Movie Digest. I've been JQ. And I've been Finn. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.